So we're going to talk on patience. Yeah, that's fun. You know what patience means? It means long-suffering. Woo! Yes, Lord! (laughs) So it's long-suffering, it's enduring, and it's waiting. And when we think of patience, we're thinking about something that there is an end to this. But what I was praying about and what God was showing me about coming up here is um, patience is the goal. This isn't something we just overcome. Okay, I'm going to overcome this thing. That Patience is something valuable to God because God is patient. This is a characteristic of the Lord. Our country shows no patience. And so when we actually have patience, we have something that so many people do not have. This is what God, we're reflecting the Lord. So we're saying, God, I'm going to get through this. But God's like, patience is what you're producing through this. It's that patience that's so beautiful to God. And I think we overlook that because I don't want to long suffer. That hurts. God, why aren't you answering my prayer right now? Aren't you listening to me? Oh, I must not be your favorite because you're not answering this prayer. I might not be, must not be faithful enough. I might not be giving enough. I might not be smart enough. And we keep going through these things of, I don't have enough faith for God to get me through this. But you're missing the point of God is pushing you through this because that patience is being produced through this. Your faith is being tested, and that's so much more valuable to him is you being a patient person and not being like, God, I hate this person because they're so annoying. (laughs) Like You being quiet about and, and enduring the pain and the trials, even being patient to yourself. How valuable is that? We're, we're so unpatient to ourselves sometimes and being like, I wish I could overcome this sin right now. I wish that I could be more patient. I wish I could be um, a better wife. I wish I could be a better friend. I wish I could be, but God's producing through those hard things of being patient. No, God, you're going to get me through this. You're doing something in me. You're working this out in me. I'm going to be faithful to you, and I'm going to wait until you produce what you want to produce in me. Um, Oh, I'm not done. (laughs) I'm James 5.10. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Think of Christ. He was whipped. He was beaten. Pastor Wesley went through crazy amount of detail what Jesus actually suffered. And how dare we, when we just go through a hard time, that we're not even being whipped, we're not even being persecuted, we are not going to jail for the gospel. And how dare we to be like, God, I want to be just like you. And he's like, I'm making you like me through your patience. Through patience, I'm making you like me. Jesus endured. He wants you to also endure. He cares more about what's being produced through you than you just having everything you want. And that's not saying that God doesn't want you to have good things. But this is so precious to him. We can't miss this. And just one thing. um, Yeah, I got time. Um, is just thinking about what are you facing. And we think, the devil's bringing me through this. I know it. What if it's God bringing you through it? Because he wants you to have a testimony for someone else bringing through it. God also wants you to be patient with others, be patient with him, and be patient with yourself. And um, I want to be a person that can endure. I want to be a person that has patience. And I'm not saying I have that, that I've acquired it, but Paul talks about that these are the things that, those are our goals. This is the race. We keep going towards these things for perfection um, so we can be the, in the image of Christ, so we can show the world, like, even though you're going through this, something good's going to come out of it. And it, what if the good thing is just patience? Not that you had the thing that you wanted, but that you're more patient because of this. So don't lose sight of what God's doing through you. So we're just going to pray, because I like to pray. So, uh, Father God, we just... We just thank you for your patience with us. And God, uh, how many times we squirm and struggle and get so irritated and angry, God. But, Father, through your love that you help us, Lord God, go through these trials and you're producing patience within us. And we thank you, Father God, that you do hear our prayers and that you do care what we're going through. But thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy to let us go through these pains and trials, even when we don't see it as something good. But thank you, God, that through the end of it all, God, that we can be patient like you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Now for your main course. Get some love to your pastor. Amen. 
She actually hit up a couple points today that we're going to talk about in the big message. I'm really excited about it. Um, so uh, something that I kind of said right in the beginning of this, this is like, this is that message no one wants to hear about um, because uh, we love talking about love, joy, and peace. Oh, my God, God's going to give us so much peace for kindness, goodness, faithfulness, right? So we want to skip patience. Um, but I want, I want you to remember the name of this series is Supernatural. And so we're talking about the fact that God gives us things by the nature of the fact that he's in us, right? And so we're not talking about patience. We're talking about supernatural patience. As in, I shouldn't be patient in this circumstance. I shouldn't be able to suffer through this time, but I'm going to anyway, right? And, and so just like any other gift, and people talk about, why don't we see miracles in church? And I, I would say salvation is a miracle. I, I would say that, that Christians truly loving is a miracle. And though I do believe there's time for healing, and I do believe there's time for breakthrough, and I really do believe that God moves in those ways that kind of freaks people out, I want you to know that first and foremost, he builds something into you before he works it out of you. And so before you're going to perform any miracles, there's a miracle going to be worked in you. And let's face it, Patience is pivotal. And the reason why patience is pivotal because patience is what's going to get me to the circumstance that's going to lead to the miracle I'm looking for in the first place, right? And if you want to take any note, like maybe you don't take notes in church because writing is offensive, um, take this note. Ready? Here's in quotes. Patience is the action of salvation. And that's really important because I'm going to prove it to you a little bit today uh, that God equates his patience to your salvation consistently in scripture. Um, I want to read you a couple of quotes from people that don't believe in the Bible, as far as I know, because patience is actually something this world needs. Um, the, a couple years ago, a statistic came out that the average attention span of the average person was seven seconds, just like a goldfish. A goldfish that people have the same attention span as a fish, which I think is ridiculous, but that's life. So say law. Um, but the statistics come out, and now goldfish are steady at seven seconds, and we've moved down to three seconds. So now we should look to the goldfish and be like, how do you pay attention? Teach me your ways so I can add an extra four seconds to my lifestyle. Yo, if, an inst if a YouTube video buffers for longer than three seconds, 50% of the audience clicks off. I am 50% of the audience. Last night my video buffered and I was like, no, I'm done. I'm going to watch a different video. You've lost my, it's not even that guy's fault. It's YouTube's fault. It's my, right, so Cody's playing League of Legends. I'm sitting down with him and his ping goes up. So his character moves kind of slow and Cody goes, I'm done. I'm quitting. And he turns it off and I'm like, right, he lives with me. He now becomes a part of my sermons just like my wife does. And my son will soon too. I'm hoping for some ridiculous birthing story so I can bring it as a part of a sermon. Um, but we'll see what happens. And I only want that because it's not going to happen to me, right? Because I have the patience to endure, but does she, you know? Um, but um, <laughs> it's not even kind of the same thing, right? Like, I'm just in the room like, you got it, sweetie. If I was born just like 50 years ago, I wouldn't even have to be there. So it's like, but now I got to like be patient. Um, so two people, that's what I was talking about. Two quotes for the day. Uh, one comes from Bruce Lee. My man, Bruce Lee. Um, he says, patience is not passive. On the contrary, it is concentrated strength. Patience is not, forgot the word, passive. On the contrary, it is concentrated strength. So I want you guys to concentrate on something today. And here's what it is. I have a challenge for you guys. Ready? And this is so funny because I see, I see it's already happening. I'm going to challenge you for the next. We have a timer going or are we just ignoring that now? We do. Can I see it? Timer going. So for the next 40 minutes and three seconds, don't look at your phone. I've never said that in any sermon except for some of my youth sermons where I bring up people are on their phones. But for the next 40, second, 40 minutes, let's face it, it's probably 39 and like 50-something seconds now. Uh, stay on your phone. And guys, we're going to be on Pastor West time, though. So just when the sermon's done. Oh, stay off your phone. Some of you guys are like, yes, the word of the Lord. Um, <laughs> no, uh, off your phone. But I, that's my notebook. Yeah, but you're on Instagram half the time anyway, and you don't even take notes. You just have a notebook out. Um, so let's put it in your pocket. 
And then learn, a, here's the lesson to learn this next week. I'm going to get a notebook. It's going to change my life. But patience, right? So um, our next quote comes from a, um, a politician from England. He's dead now. I know because when you see a picture of him, he looks like, like a drawing and not like a real person. Um, and his name is George Seville. I don't know who this guy is. For all I know, he could have been a terrible person. But I'm about to quote him. Um, a man who is a master of patience is a master of everything else. And I believe that's actually the heart of this message. Um, because I got a lot of Bible verses that are going to say roughly the same thing. A man who is a master of patience is a master of everything else. And ladies, you too. It's not my fault. This guy's sexist. What am I going to do about it? You know? Um, so I want to uh, point out something really quick. We want to have patience. Honestly, as a nation and as people, and let's face it, as human beings, patience is a big deal. Um, but why do Christians emphasize patience besides the fact that it's the fruit of the Spirit? Uh, because it is a quality seen in God. And so Christian means little Christ, translates to Christ-like in modern English, meaning Jesus, meaning God in the flesh, meaning if we look at Yahweh and some of his characteristics throughout the Old Testament, we want to exemplify those as well. Right? And so patience is one of the strong factors. And if you actually go to Romans chapter 2, verse 4, I don't have a verse for you, Mark. I'm just going to talk about it. Um, it actually talks about how our salvation comes through the patience of our God and his kindness. But we're talking about patience. Um, salvation comes through the patience of God. And if you actually look in the Old Testament, you see Noah. And God said to Noah, I'm going to flood the world, build a boat. And the Bible says that Noah preached for 120 years with no rain. And by the end of his message, eight people got saved. So why did God hold back for 120 years? I believe because the eighth person wasn't there yet. And God is patient with us. And so he waits for the one because he's patient. And then we go to the New Testament times and you read people in the Bible talking like, oh, God's coming soon. The day of the Lord is at hand. And like, that's depressing because like it's 2,000 years later. And that means maybe God's timetable is not the same as mine because 2,000 years, if I'm like, baby, I'll be there soon. I mean, if I'm working according to God's timetable, I got at least 2,000 years to show up. And I did what I'm supposed to do. But God's timetable is different than mine. And if you actually look in the Old Testament, Pete, or New Testament, Peter writes and he says, God hasn't come yet because there's still opportunity for more to be saved. And he draws us back to Noah and says, just like Noah waited longer than he wanted for that person, we are going to continue because there's still opportunity for salvation. And so now we translate to today where God has not come back yet because we're not preterists. And so God has not come back yet. And because he has not come back yet, we know that our God is still in the action of patience. And like our God is patient, so should we be. Because let's face it, we give up after someone. We give up on someone after a couple minutes of them being annoying or they don't text back. And you're like, you don't text me back. We're done. I just took a shower, but we're done. I've had that experience where I hopped in the shower the time I got out. I've had like three friendships end and like two breakups. Don't judge me. And like life is doing its thing because people aren't patient. But we're not patient with each other. And God calls us to be patient with one another, especially the people you hate. So with that in mind, I think the best exemplification of patience, and like Jesse said, which is beautiful, patience is long-suffering. I think the best Jesus showing us is in his temptations. 40 days and 40 nights with no food, but a lot of Satan, um, which a whole lot of Satan. That's annoying. Is someone nagging you for 40 days and 40 nights? Like, I'm like, you know, my wife asked me like four times to do the dishes, and I'm like, fine, I'm going to do the dishes. Like, you know, but Jesus is just faithful, right? <laughs> you should do the dishes anyway. I know, I should. We're going to skim right. We're talking on patience today, so it's her job to wait for me to want to do it. All right, so Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. See, that's how people misuse scripture. You ever been bullied with scripture before? I'm full of them. It's terrible. Uh, I love that verse. I'll quote it all the time, Proverbs 31. It's like the woman should wake up with the crack of dawn to prepare a meal for her man. And I'm like, never once. But Okay, wait a second. Let's go. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 11. Husbands, do not take that one and run with it because you'll deserve the black eye. Uh, then Jesus, 
If you yell Jesus loudly, the laughing stops. Don't know why, but it works every time. Um, so then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. Y'all, that's a bad day. Because, like, what do you do when God led you to Satan? <laughs> like, now, <laughs> it's a bad day for everyone because that means, like, no, there's no around this. I got to go through this. All right, so then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Y'all, when Jesus was on this earth, even he was led by the Spirit. Amen? And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. You didn't even need to tell me that. I knew that. And the tempter, that Satan, which actually the word Satan actually translates to tempter a lot of times, or devil does, diabolus. I learned that in this study, and I didn't know there was room for it, but I found out. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, go back, like what, 10 verses, and God just said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And 10 verses later, he's being attacked on his call. That'll preach. If you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. So here, here's, here's how the enemy gets you. And I want you to keep this in mind for all of the message. He attacks your call. And then he misuses the word of God. That's all he does. What do you feel exceptionally called to be? Where do you think that God is calling you to be? And what do you think God is calling you to do with your life? Well, I promise you, you're about to get an amazing opportunity that contradicts that. Because we're in America, not the Middle East. And typically, that temptation comes in the form of a job. And all you got to do is compromise your call. And you're going to have money. Been there. But he answered, it is written. Y'all, if you ain't praying, you ain't ready. If you ain't studying your Bible, you're not ready. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Where do I hear the words that come out of the mouth of God? God is still speaking today, but he chooses to mostly speak through his word. Amen? And if you don't know your word, you're actually not ready for a word. Amen? All right. Then the devil took him. Now the devil's taken in places. It's a bad day. The devil can't take you. No, unless you're Jesus, apparently. Uh, Then the devil took him to a holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. So he's all high up. I'm afraid of heights. Like, I was playing a video. I don't play video games, but, like, someone was playing a video game, and they were near me, and the controller was in my hand, and and they weren't in the room, and it was just me. Uh, I was playing a video game, and my character was on a mountain, and I looked over the mountain, and I was afraid of the height. It's a fake height, and I was like, nope, and my character left. He left the area. There was probably something to do there. He left the area. He's done. I don't do heights. I don't even do fake heights. Like this, terrifying. I've stepped off it like four times. Um, So I'm afraid of heights. So Jesus is up there, and he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. That is not a temptation that's going to work on me. But let's just keep going. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. That scripture is out of context, but what are you going to do? You ever hear, it's a really famous thing to say in church. The enemy knows doctrine. Satan knows his Bible. It's true. You can believe anything you want to believe. You just need to get the right teacher with the right Bible verse. And if Jesus could have given in to this temptation right now, if he didn't know his word. Well, he couldn't have, but that's his own theology, but you get what I'm saying. Um, And Jesus said, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. God, if this is really you, you'll. That's a test. It's not your place. Christina gave a great testimony of how you shouldn't do that. Just right here, so I can use it, right? God, if this is you, just confirm it to me. It's a test. Do what God's calling you to do, and you stay there until told otherwise. Amen? It's a beautiful testimony. And you'll go through a lot less anxiety if you just keep going. But we're still waiting for a word. See, I think so many Christians, they say, God, I'll move when you tell me to. But typically, God already told them to move, and they're just, they don't want to go, right? And so typically, when God tells you to go, you keep going until he tells you to stop. <laughs> right? Um, 
Because, y'all, if, I was, if God told me to go into the wilderness and, pray, and fast for 40 days and 40 nights, like a day in, I'd be like, all right, God is the fast over. You know, like, but he already told me to go, and so I stay. You'll notice Jesus stayed until God appeared. We're going to read that, though. Um, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. The devil's just taking Jesus places. And I feel like I, that'll preach, too. Uh, a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. So all you got to do is worship, and you don't have to go to the cross. All you got to do is worship, and you don't have to go through that pain. All you have to do is sacrifice while you're here, and I'll give it to you without the work. But Jesus said, be gone, Satan. Look, if there's something you really want and it shows up on a silver platter, pray like 10 times. It's rare and it doesn't typically happen. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Every answer he used the Bible. If you don't know your Bible, you can't answer. That's why you have so many denominations with so many different beliefs and they all hate each other and all the ones that aren't their denomination, they're all going to hell. Because no one knows their Bible, they just know what they want to believe. And let's face it, if I look in the mirror, I see a guy that does the same dang thing. And so my job is to just try as hard as I can to be genuine and be honest and be real and really get to know the God that I serve and not serve myself and call it God. That's actually called Satanism. It exists. But at least they have the courtesy to not hide behind Yahweh. Amen? And then the devil left him. That'll preach. And behold, angels came. And we're ministering to him. Jesus stayed in his temptation until Satan left and God showed up. He didn't leave early because Satan was there. He didn't leave early because there was oppression or attacks. Actually, the oppression and the attack confirmed to him, I'm in the right place. And what was the first temptation Satan gave to Jesus? Turn stones to bread. And the first thing they come is they minister. And that Greek word implies food. And so if he would have turned the stones into bread, which he could have, he would have denied the food coming from the Father. Amen? Amen. So we're going to pray. Dear Lord in heaven, I pray for every person in this room right now. God, God, I pray we'd be patient like you are patient. I pray this word would actually speak to us. There would actually be some kind of genuine breakthrough in our lives. That God, we would put down our own opinion on how things are supposed to look. And instead, we'd pick up what you actually want to do with our lives. God, I pray for truth. And I pray that we would be genuine before you, Lord. In Jesus' name I say, amen. So I did an internship. I talk about it a lot. Many of you who know me know I did the internship. And now those of you who didn't, you know, welcome to the party. Um, I did an intern program. And the first year of the internship, it was directed by a man who was a major in the military. Super cool. Super annoying. It all just kind of melded into one. You know, he was the guy. It's a quote that I actually keep in my life. He's like, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. And so he was so big on time, he'd make us get together. And he was like, we had to find like a clock. And he was like, we're going to have one person who tells time. And that person's time is going to be the time over the whole classroom. Right? It's a cool idea. But we were, all of us interns were very nefarious. And we had a plan. Ready for what the plan was? My wife, who I married, she's beautiful and she's awesome. She wasn't my wife yet. If you were here last week, you know I didn't like her at first. I thought she was kind of annoying. Uh, but throughout our time together, we had all learned something about my wife's phone. It didn't tell time right. Because we all had smartphones and she had a rumor. And I don't know if you know what a rumor is, but let me tell you something. That's the phone I got in sixth grade and stopped having in eighth grade. Uh, so she was several years behind and, and and it had a thing it was like 10 15 minutes late sometimes seven but it was always late it was never on time and it was never early and so if it was 11 it would say like 10 50 10 45 and we knew and so he goes just decide anyone just pick someone random we're like randomly how about Versavia? and then he's like really why Versavia? i'm like because she's so quiet it'll give her a chance to talk to us more 
because we're nefarious and we're geniuses and God is good. And so what started happening is we just started taking our time places and he's big. He's like, you're on time or it's over, right? And so we would like, between classes, we'd go get food and we'd show up, our clock's like 10 minutes late and just stroll on in on time technically. And then one day he got so mad. It was, I think it was me, Anthony. Did you come to that one? So me, Anthony, and Jake, my boy, Jake. That guy was like Jim Carrey, but younger. Okay, so we, we're late. We're late by everyone's time, right? And we thought. So we come running into the classroom. He goes, hi, you guys are late. You guys are late. And we're like, no, we're not. Check for Tavi time. He goes, no, because he was like looking for the chance to get us in trouble because he's a military man. And what, what do they do is they make an example of someone. And he taught us that. It's awesome. So he, we're about to be the example. But we had Versavia time. And it was on our side, right? And so we roll in. He goes, you're late. And we're like, no, we're not late. And he goes, yes, we're late. And we're like, we're not late. What time is it, Versavia? She picks it up. She goes, 11 a.m. Everyone else's clock is like 11.20. Like, and, he, and he looked. And I'll never forget what Pastor Stephen said. He picked up his hands and went like And he said, while he did that, he yelled out, Versavia time is dead. I killed it. And it's just so funny because I think it's actually the only time I've ever seen him lose his cool. He was so excited to have it just, you know, just like expectations tarnished because we outsmarted and outmaneuvered him. And he's just like, it's dead. I killed it. It's over. Now it's my phone, which is beautiful. <laughs> and we all laughed hard because it was good times and we did not get in trouble. Uh, but then our, our escapades of going to 7-Eleven had to come to a close. Um, but but what, here's what's really interesting about that. That... As I'm preparing for this message, because after all, this is what preachers do. We think of a funny story and then apply it to the message. Um, as we, I'm really thinking about that's us with God. So when we come to God, we submit to his timetable. And we live by it and we're kind of annoyed by it. But we keep pushing through. And then one day we're done because it didn't work out the way we wanted it to. And we changed the timetable and now it's back to our timetable again. And I want to tell you, as I really studied patience, here's kind of the, the all-encompassing quote that comes from it. Patience shows that Christians are following God's plan and timetable rather than their own, and that they have abandoned their own ideas about how the world should work. And I want to read that one one more time, because that will reach. Um, patience shows that Christians are following God's plan and timetable rather than their own and that they have abandoned their own ideas about how the world should work. God, I'll follow you if you're not patient. Not the Bible definition of patience. That is the definition of lack of patience. I'm, I don't get mad when I'm driving. I'm actually, you know, I don't really have road rage unless someone cuts me off. That's road rage. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really calm. I never yell at my wife. I never get upset, you know, unless she nags me too many times. Well, then you get upset with your wife. You don't get to have rules. You either are or you aren't. That's like saying, you know, I'm a really honest person, but I lie occasionally. <laughs> you know, my hands are clean, but I, I, mur I sometimes murder people. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, you know what I'm saying? Um... So patience, if you look at the fruit of the Spirit section of Scripture that we didn't read today because I forgot about it, and now we're too far in and we're not going to read it now, uh, that word patience actually means long-suffering. And it actually comes from a word, I'll try. Uh, it's uh, macrothumia. Probably not. It's like macrothumia or something like that. Um, it means, and it's a mouthful, ready? It means patience, endurance, constancy, steadfastness, perseverance, forbearance, long-suffering, slowness in avenging wrongs, fortitude, consistent passion, and consistent temperament. Because it comes from macros means long. That's where we get the word macro from, right? Big. Big. Thumos means passion or temper. And so when you see the word patience in the Bible, it means either long passion or long temper. It means I stay passionate long or I keep my emotions in check long. 
And here's how you lose patience. This is the biblical definition of patience. You either lose your passion for it, which is on you, or you lose your temper, which is on you. Amen? Love, joy, and peace are these fruit of the spirits that are a byproduct of my relationship with God. From this point onwards, all the rest of the fruit of the spirit are actions we must do. And so the first of the actions is the action of salvation, patience. This doesn't come from us. It comes to us from God. Colossians 1.11. May you be strengthened with all power. And we're going to actually keep this one up for a little bit. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. So let's, let's break down what I just said. The, Paul is saying that God will strengthen you with his power and his might to endure and be patient. That will not preach. That is not a fun sermon. That is not what I want. That means when you're asking for the power of God to come on you, the power is going to come in the form of the ability to wait until God wants to show up. Because it's not your timetable, it's his. It's not, yeah, there it is. It's not your timetable, it's his. Here's something really interesting in the Greco-Roman world, which is Greek and Romans around this time. What Paul is writing to what Paul is addressing. I'm just going to read what I wrote. In the Greco-Roman world, spiritual uh, power was sought... Oh, sorry. Spiritual power was something that was very much sought after. People believed that by aligning themselves with a pagan god and performing pagan rituals, they would gain protection from evil spirits and that, and that those gods and those rituals would give them wealth and influence. We just described American Christianity. If I align with God, he'll protect me from the devil, he'll give me money, and people will like me more. That's pagan. That's not the Bible. So when Paul is looking at Colossians who are doing that, he tells them, yeah, God's going to give you power too. Power to be patient when you don't have money. Power to be patient when no one likes you and you have no influence. And power to endure when the enemy comes against you. Because if Jesus had to face Satan and if Jesus was tempted, so will you be. But you're going to overcome. Amen? Because Jesus did it for you through his patience. And now our patience is just waiting. So see, Paul is dealing with a church of people that believed, much like American churches believe, that if I just line up with God, he's going to protect me from the evil spirits. Yeah, he will. And if I line up with God, he's going to give me money. No, he might not. And if I line up with God, people are going to like me more. Do not be surprised when the world hates you, for they hated me first. Where did you read that verse and go, yep, I'm going to be an influencer in the world? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, patience is standing through. See, God never promised to give you anything tomorrow. See, the reason is we're waiting for the time to come. Christians, our goal is to be here and preach a message while we're waiting for the return of our Christ. Patience. Okay. So with that in mind, let's take four quick observations, famous last words, four quick observations from the text we read about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. I do really want to emphasize this point, that if you are following God for one of those things I mentioned, you are not following a Christian God, you are following a pagan God. And what happened is when the Catholic Church was rising up, Rome was really popular for the fact that it, when it came and dominated areas, it didn't just dominate them with force, it dominated them ideally as well. And so what it would do is it would allow their gods into their religion. And so then that is what became the Catholic Church. And so there's essence of the Catholic, and this isn't me bashing Catholics, I'm just teaching history. Uh, there's an essence of the Catholic Church that actually has pagan roots to the back of it. And so now as Western Christians, Protestants, begin to flee, and they begin to come into places like England and places like America, they preach a very westernized Christianity that involves some of these pagan beliefs. And so they can read the Beatitudes where it says, blessed are the humble and blessed are the poor in spirit. And they can read those and go, yeah, but it means I'm going to be rich. Patience is standing strong, even though none of those things are guaranteed to me. It's trusting God's timetable. And by the way, wealth might be guaranteed. God might have that in your future. But he doesn't owe it to you. It's just a part of his plan for the salvation he wants to see in this world. It's a timetable, and it's his timetable. 
And so, listen, I believe some of you who are, there are people, more than one person in this room is believing for a house. I believe God will give you that house, but I don't believe he promised it in the sense of his word guarantees it. Some of us carry words that God spoke to us, but you have to temper that through the Bible. And sometimes when God says this is coming, it's like a David thing and you wait 30 something years. But that won't preach, so we'll we'll move on. Um, So when we see Jesus in the wilderness, uh, the first thing we see is that the Spirit led him there. And so point number one, if you will, our attacks in the path of obedience are in the will of God. No amens. Oh, no. (laughs) Our attacks in the path of obedience are in the will of God. It's not because you sinned and now Satan's attacking you. It's because God led you that way for a purpose and a reason to build you and prepare you for a season you're going through. Here's the thing. We can look at it from one perspective and say, dang it, God sucks. We can look at it from another perspective and see that if his plan is to glorify himself, if he takes me to it, he will take me through it. Because it's the nature of his character. Because if I fail, God isn't glorified. And God is going to glorify himself. So he's going to take me through it. But listen to me. Those attacks, those struggles. The book of James says, count it all joy when you're faced by trials of various kinds. And he goes on to talk about how they build your character. Because peace never builds character. Trials build character. It's like meeting someone who goes to the gym. And they don't work out. And I go, well, I'll just get it by being here. And it's like, no, you've got to put the work in to see the muscle. And so the same thing comes with God. You're not just going to grow into this powerful Christian just by showing up. You're going you're gonna to grow into a powerful Christian by doing the things you don't want to do, taking the steps you don't want to take, trusting God when it doesn't make sense, and knowing that he's there for you. That builds character. Um, I want to read you a John Piper quote. Uh, if you've heard the song, Though You Slay Me, And that that one that has like the little John Piper quote, I'm reading that to you. Um, Slightly cut down. Not only are all of your afflictions momentary, not only is all of your affliction light in comparison to eternity and the glory there, but all of it is totally meaningful. Every millisecond of your misery in the path of obedience is producing a peculiar glory in you that you will get because of that. Or as C.S. Lewis puts it, that I love so much, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts in our pains. You hear a story of those missionaries that go out and they get taken prisoner and people actually start dying. They actually start killing some of the mercenaries. The mercenaries, whoa. Uh, the, the missionaries. Uh, they actually start killing the missionaries. They actually start taking them away. And then when they actually come back to America and they actually begin to talk to each other, all of them say, I felt closer to God there. There's a part of them. This guy comes out and talks about how he kind of wants to go back because he never felt closer to God than he was in that moment. Something was built in him of faith where he actually desired that place because God was better than his trial but he only saw God clearly in the midst of his trial your trial is building something in you that actually means something to God that will actually bless others and will actually produce in you something that is lasting you know I don't think I've ever said it but I'm going to take Michelle's quote that life matters right we don't want a better life we want a life that matters because that's better Amen? And so my trial isn't for me. It's for someone else. It's to finally give me the character to look someone in the eyes and actually help them through their stuff. Instead of when I'm with them, we all go into their stuff together because no one's strong enough because no one was willing to say no to their flesh. And everyone said, no, this must be the enemy. So I'm going to walk away. Oh, this church is actually trying me. So I'm going to go to another church. Oh, my bills aren't being paid. Maybe God's telling me to move and get a different job. Never planting, never growing the same struggle your whole life. Or you'll overcome. You'll plant somewhere and lead people. You'll actually bless people and you'll have a blessed and more happy and joyful life amen Amen. jesus first temptation from satan is turn these stones into bread so patience is trusting god to provide in spite of other options jesus could have turned the stone to bread or he could have waited for the bread to come He had to trust God in spite of better options. Because one's immediate, 
and one fits my three-second criteria, and one's a long way off, and it involves me to evolve past what modern culture says is normal. Because there's no billionaire with a three-second attention span. That's just all the people buying his stuff, right? I have a friend, and I, I want to use the story, and, and I, I, I kind of really hope he never hears the story, because I'm not going to use his name, but like, I have a friend that's contemplating. He's, he, uh, there's a mega church in this nation that wants to hire him, which is awesome. And I talked to him, and I was like, dude, that's so cool. Are you going to take it? And what he said to me was, no, they're not paying me enough, which I think, fair enough, right? You're here. That's not what you want to do. That's fine. I said, okay, is what you're doing how they're going to hire him? Is what you're doing what you want to do with your life? And he said, no, I feel like God's calling me to be a pastor. And this pastor is one of the most well-known pastors in this nation. He's one of the greatest leaders in this nation. He's actually a voice can teach and grow people. And I said, wait a second. So because of money, you'll compromise your call because they're not paying you what you think you, you deserve. You won't go and get taught by one of the greatest minds in this country. And so what, what is going on with him is he's taking his call into his own hands and saying, I'll get there someday. When God gave the opportunity, but he said no in favor of better options. God's plan involves humility. In modern American country, humili- in modern America, humility is a hoopty. Humility is a, a nine to five, not a nine to five. It's something that you actually have to work and get your hands dirty. And sometimes you don't get blessed the way you think you deserve it. But God's building something in you that matters and that will actually change your life for the better. But you got to sacrifice to be there. And you have to consider your call worthy of sacrifice. See, uh, the thing about patience is for most things about patience, you have to predetermine that you're going to be patient. And please catch that. You have to predetermine that you'll be patient in this season, right? So if it's, I feel called to be a pastor, this is my church. I'm going to get pastor and learn to pastor in this church. You have to predetermine that no matter what happens, you're going to get pastored in that church because you have to predetermine this is the direction God's called me to be and not be thrown left and right by every new thing that comes your way. You'll never be satisfied. You'll always chase more and you'll always be depressed. And you'll always be convinced that every church is attacking you. But... Game recognizes game. And if I see that you've been in 10 churches in the city, I'm not convinced you'll be here. And so I'm not throwing opportunity out, right? And neither will any other church in the city. And because that's our character, and when we move out, everyone will catch wind of that too. And wherever you go, you'll be unhirable. You'll not get to go into the call you want to walk into because you can't remain consistent and faithful where you're at. I do not like beating people up in sermons, but it's patience, bro. Um, so Jesus gets taken up on top of a pinnacle, and Satan says, jump. And he misquotes scripture. Patience is submitting to God's way and not my own. Patience is submitting to God's way and not my own. I said it already. You can find any verse in the Bible and twist it to fit what you want to fit. And I know many Christians that will look and be like, yep, God, the Bible, angels jump. He's got me. And you'll plummet. And so you find the verse that even though God is telling you, hey, submit here and be here. Hey, chase this call. Hey, this is what you're going to do with your life. But a better opportunity comes, and you're going to take it because I got my verse that says, oh, if you don't take care of your family, you're worse than a throw out whatever version, an unbeliever, right? And so I don't want to be worse than an unbeliever, so I got to walk away from my call for a season so I can go embrace really what you always wanted to embrace. Amen? But really, (laughs) there's a place God is calling you to be, and there's something he's calling you to do. And we have to stop that. So many people go, I don't know what God's calling me to do. Well, then the answer isn't to uproot. You'll never grow. That means you're still but a baby in the faith. And you need to plant somewhere and grow until you know what God's calling you to do and then spend your life pursuing that. You won't get to be a jack-of-all-trades. God calls no one to be a jack-of-all-trades. And so many of you are so caught up in wanting to do everything that you'll never do anything. There are a thousand things I want to do with my life. There's 10,000 jobs I want to have. So I whittled it down to the two I really think God's calling me to do. And whenever I see other people doing those things, there's a part of me that gets a little jealous because I want that too, but I know it's not my lot because I know what God's called me to do. And I'm going to stand firm and keep walking. Anyone who looks back from the plowshare isn't worthy of it. So keep pushing in your call. 
So many people get let down by God because they want things from him that don't come. (laughs) Sorry. So many people get let down by God because they want things from him that didn't come through. We We have to stop assuming that God, sorry, we have to stop assuming about God and patiently trust him in his perfect plan. (laughs) <laughs> it just won't preach. It's funny, I was telling Deacon Chad today when I was talking, I was like, here's the problem with a, a sermon on patience. We all know what patience is, so the whole sermon is going to be, hey, you got to do it. There's no shortcut. That's actually the point of patience. It is the long way around. But it's the way that produces and builds genuine character that will genuinely change lives. Um, James Davison Hunter says, we want character without unyielding conviction. We want strong morality without the emotional burden of guilt and shame. We want virtue, but without a particular moral justifications that invariably offend. So basically we want people to live right, but not be offensive about it, which doesn't make sense. Uh, We want good without having to name evil. We want decency without the authority to insist on it. We want moral community without any limitations to personal freedom. Morality is a limitation. You have to say no and do the right thing. In short, we want what we cannot possibly have on the terms that we want it. James Davison Hunter. In short, we want what we cannot possibly have on the terms that we want it. Or Malcolm Mugridge, it has been said that when a human being stops believing in God, they believe in nothing. But the truth is much worse. They'll believe in anything. And so what we do is we'll sacrifice the God of the Bible because we want to live a certain way. And then we st- well, we'll still use the Bible because after all, God sent the Bible and God, Jesus Christ, died for us. But here's really the God that I'm worshiping. But that is a lack of patience because you're not submitting to God and his will. You're not staying passionate in what he's called you to do. You're finding any way you can. Sorry, we're finding any way we can to do what we want but still have God's name on it. But God's character is unchanging. And he won't change for your, your desires. I tell people all the time it's an honor to worship God. And so with that means, though, you don't get to worship him on your terms. It's that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory quote that I always quote where Charlie comes and he says, you're just lucky to be here, aren't you? Yes. I'm just happy to be here. And I believe that's why I'll continue to grow in God. Patience teaches us to stop assuming Look, look, and I don't mean this to hurt your feelings, but if we could really learn this, I don't truly deserve anything. And so everything's a gift. And that means everything should be received with joy. I wanted 100 bucks, but I got 50. Oh my God, I got 50. God blessed me. And last one, avoiding the cross. Satan said, bow down and worship me. And I'll give you the kingdoms of this world. Well, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It wasn't his to give. But the truth is, he was offering him the world in exchange for avoiding the cross. He was offering him law. But patience refuses to take shortcuts. Patience refuses to take shortcuts. And you know what? Adults refuse to take shortcuts. Men don't take shortcuts, and neither do women. Because there's something I want to be. And y'all, my wife brings home these chicken panini things, and she bakes them for me. And they are so dang good. And the other day, she brought me one home, and she was out, and she said to me, baby, just microwave it. And it was the worst thing I have ever had in my life. And I took a bite and I set it down. And you know, I legit said this. I was by myself. I said, that'll preach. Um, <laughs> and I, like, that was like, I was like, here we go. We're in this. We're fully in this. But patience refuses to take shortcuts. And so we aren't going to take shortcuts because our God didn't take shortcuts. And when God wanted to flood the earth, which that will not preach, but he wanted to, he waited 120 years because he wasn't going to take a shortcut and he was going to bring his people where they belonged. He promised the entire Israelite generation, you'll get the promised land, and they sinned. So he took them around for 40 years, patiently waited for 40 years and brought a new crowd in with the same promise. 
James chapter 5, verse 7, and then we're going to jump to James chapter 5, verse 11. And this is how I'm going to close it up. We don't have a piano. It's okay. I'm actually going to break into groups anyway. Uh, I'm really feeling that today. James chapter 5, verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. That again will not preach. See how the farmer waits for precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. He says, like a farmer, so are Christians. You, there was no promise coming today. There's a promise coming through cultivation. That person that you want to be when you close your eyes, and that, the person you imagine yourself to be, that person won't be there tomorrow. That person will take cultivation for you to decide, I'm not going to compromise my morals. I'm going to live a life worthy of my calling. And even if I have to take step backs in life, I know I'll be taking step forwards in the spirit. And I know someday I'll end up in the place I always wanted to be anyway, but in a place where I could actually sustain it and hold it and walk in it. So I'm not a shooting star, but I'm a sustaining voice that can actually change a city, a nation, and a people. Verse 11, behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. That's patience. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Stay there. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. Every Bible character you look at and say, I want to be like that. I want a life like that. They were all patient or they failed. Those were their options. Jesus had to wait 30 years. That'll preach. The life God has called us to live is one of discipline. Daily prayer, daily study, daily choosing to focus on what is good, daily living out your call. When you do these things daily, one day you'll look up and you'll find you, were, you are where you've always wanted to be. Buckle your head down and you live that life. And one day you're going to look up and realize this is everything I wanted. It's just like working out. It's why I'm still fat. Chubby. I got a dad bod. Whatever. I was a toothpick at one point, And now I'm a breadstick. Um, <laughs> me and my brother traded places. Stand up. And just flex. Yeah, he is. Uh, he was the fattest kid I had ever seen in my life. And now I'm the fattest kid I had ever seen in my life. And now, and like I was gone, I was handsome, I was good looking. And then now he's a model for some reason because God doesn't play favorites. And it, it's just the worst. Um, but that didn't happen in one day. Trust me, it didn't happen in one day. There's no way it could have. Um, there was a lot of days. Um, love you. He's just so handsome. I'm, I'm mad about it, but I got to talk about it. Like, that's how I get over it. Um, but it's just like working out. Do this with your spirit. Think about it. I'm praying every day. When that gossip comes around, I'm going to say no. It's going to be hard at first. It's a weight I don't like lifting, but I'm going to lift it. I'm going to remain faithful to things I always ran from. It's going to be hard at first. Everything in me is going to tell me to quit. I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to keep on lifting. I'm going to keep on believing. And one day that bar doesn't weigh anything anymore. And you got to add more. And you become bigger and you become healthier and more confident. And then you live your life. You know, one day the, at the intern program, they made us work out. It was the fittest I'd ever been in my life. And one day me and Thomas, had, we were going between two Super Bowl parties because we were ghetto like that. And we were running and there was a wall. And we had been working out for about a year and, and I had climbed walls in the past, and so I expected a struggle. And I touched, and I flew, and I almost missed the wall because I flew faster than I thought I would. I didn't realize how strong I had gotten because I didn't feel like my strength was growing anymore until one day an obstacle came that would have been hard for me that was nothing to me. So someday someone looks up at you and says, how did you get here? You're like, I, I was just faithful. Pastor Wes, how did you become a pastor? I, I was just faithful. I, didn't, I literally didn't ask for this. But my gifts made a way for me. And gifts may be given freely, but they are cultivated into greater. Amen? Amen? Those of you who are discerning, there's still a, a task that you need to walk in. Those of you who are prophetic, they're still learning to prophesy better. Those of you who preach, yo, trust me, 
I'm trying to get better every week, but some weeks I take a step back. Um, but, but God is good. But every time I walk away, I listen to the sermons that I preach as much as I hate it. You know, this week, like in particular on peace, I actually turned it off. I was like, I'm done listening to me talk now. Um, but, but I'm getting better as I chase my call. And it's the same with writing, which is a big passion that I have. Um, but, but these things come I, people ask me, they're like, man, I, I want to pray, because I've told, I pray about four hours a day, and, and people are like, oh, oh my, how do you do that? And I was like, I started out at 15, and I prayed 15 minutes a day, and one day I stayed until about 20 minutes, and one day I stayed until about 25, and I got here, and it's not a struggle for me to stay in my secret place anymore, but I had to work that into me, because it wasn't in me. How did you learn to play guitar? I want to play guitar like you. I ran scales. For years, I have calluses, and so now I can play longer because I played long past the pain. I've bled playing guitar, and I calloused over, and I was stronger than the last time. And some of us got to bleed before God. Some of us have to bleed. And see, the, the difference is in the world when you bleed, you get calloused, but in the spirit when you bleed, you get more tender. And you can actually go farther with God, but it takes patience and patience is discipline. And the Bible called the disciples the disciples because they were the disciplined ones. And every time they try to lose their patience and walk away from their call, Jesus rebuked them right back in line. Amen? And so I'm going to pray. Please catch my heart on this because this was not a barn burner. This was like a church burner. This is how people quit churches. Um, but it's important. And if we never learn to be patient, we'll never have those big moments we want to have. Because there's a type of man or a woman that you have to be to walk in those places. And if we're honest, really honest, some of us aren't there yet. I came into a situation recently. I had a conversation with Isaac about a situation in his own life, and I mirrored it in a situation in my life. I, sorry, I didn't mean to name drop you, but I did. It just happened. So Isaac's in this now. Um, and we talked about a certain struggle he had, and I likened it to a certain struggle that I had, and how God taught me something. The reason why I kept struggling here is because I had reached the end of my character, and I couldn't go any farther until I grew as a man. And I don't mean a man. I mean a man of God. And my character had to grow to walk into the call and the thing God was calling me to do. But a big part of the reason, and, and I don't mean to like make this about me, a big part of the reason I think our church sits at about this number is I don't know if I have what it takes yet to lead that number. And I think it's the mercy of God that this group is growing together and growing stronger. And, and let's face it, some of us, we can't even evangelize to our coworker. We can't even tell someone. When someone sneezes, you're afraid to say, God bless you. We as a body aren't ready yet for the big numbers but we should build because as we build, we'll be able to bless more people. Amen. And I'm not afraid to face those things. I actually think we should embrace them and be like, man, there is things I have to work on. There is a way I have to grow. There is a man or a woman of God that I have to be. There is a calling that I have that I cannot compromise. And up until this time, I've compromised it every chance I've got because I don't want to wait through the storm. But that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to build each other up. And we're going to encourage each other. Listen to me. I want our evangelism to impact the city, but six people are showing up. We don't deserve the city. Amen? I want new people to come into this church, but half the time new people come in, we let them sit in the corner by themselves. We don't deserve new people. Patience. Steadfastness. Staying passionate. Remember when this transition happened, how on fire we were? We didn't have patience, so we couldn't sustain it. Amen? So I want to break into groups. I want to be encouraging. Uh, love on each other. Pray with each other. Talk about the message. Look, normally, I know you want to run out, but when you get beat up for an hour, it's probably good to encourage each other because I don't like preaching these sermons, uh, but I couldn't compromise the message of patience. So I'm going to pray. Please talk with each other. Don't just run out and hate this church forever. Um, but, you know, maybe evangelize a little bit. Maybe get shot down and accept the fact that sometimes people just don't like you because that's something I have to work through all the time because I think everyone likes me, but they do not. And that's something I work through. Uh, but, I, you know, you got to keep growing in your character and keep growing before God.
knowing that some of the attacks, no, any attack in the path of obedience is from God. Patience does not take shortcuts. Patience submits to God's plan and not their own. And patience trusts God to provide in spite of better options. And I put better with quotations. Uh, Dear Lord in heaven, I pray for every person in this room. Uh, God, I pray they'd be blessed by this. Uh, God, that we'd feel that you love them, that you care for them, Father God. That this is something you want to build into us so that we can have a happier, more joyful life. God, that so we can live a life more honoring and submitted to you, God. God, I thank you for everyone in this room, God. I thank you for the hearts that would be touched. I pray for the prayer to break out in this place, God, and for, for people to really see how patient you've been with us. How many times we've fallen and we don't deserve to be where we are, and yet every time you show up because you're loving and you make us deserving again, God, we love you and we praise you for all things. And in Jesus' name I say, amen. I